This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. everyone, I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Thanks for joining our conversation today. It's part of our series that we're calling Growing Viral, Well-Being in the Age of Corona. Each of these conversations will look at ways that we are reacting and responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. And then after we look at all those things, we're trying to focus in on how we can move toward wholeness in the midst of it. Now, Hannah, in our last conversation, we talked about anger. And I'd say that the lack of control we feel is the main contributor to my feelings of frustration and impatience during this time. I mean, everything has been turned upside down and schedules ripped apart. And it is just so not normal. Like nothing is normal. And it just makes me feel all out of sorts. Well, as an Enneagram 8, whose main drive in life is to have power over her life and not have to rely on anyone else. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I was gonna say, wow, do you feel this way all the time? Because this is um, not how I feel all the time. But boy, it's unreal. I mean, every day it's like, oh, this is canceled. Your plans in July. Hey, those are canceled. Like, it's just one thing after another. And you sort of just feel like you are the observer. Whereas usually in your life, you're kind of the driver. (laughs) But now it's more like, well, life is happening happening and I just have to watch it because I cannot control what's going on out there. The only thing that brings me a measure of comfort is knowing that no one else has any more power or control than I do. (laughs) Yeah, it's not just you. It's not like you are failing. It's that this is seriously what's going on everywhere. Every person is dealing with this loss. If I have to stay home, you have to stay home, and nobody's getting ahead of each other, right? That's so right. <laughs> it's a, Although, a level playing field. <laughs> I will say that I have seen a lot of people really struggling with the staying home, not because they don't want to care for the common good or even do their work. And and I'm talking about people who don't have essential jobs right now. Um, But I've seen some people struggling with the fact that they're being told to stay home. Like, just Mm -hmm. because you told me to, I don't want to do it. Yes, almost like if you're making me do it, then now I don't want to. And what can I do to not do the thing that you're telling me I have to do? Because even that there is showing that there's a control, meaning someone else is calling the shots. Someone else is telling you this is now your schedule, even though you're an adult and it used to be that you could make your own. Now we have 
our parent, the government, telling us you need to stay home for your own health and safety and welfare and for the welfare of society. And so we don't like that. I mean, none of us really like to be told what to do. And I understand the question. I I don't want to dismiss it out of hand. But a lot of folks that I'm seeing struggling with this kind of um, either state level or federal level mandates about our movement um, tend to be people who are very concerned with individual liberties, mm-hmm. you know, their their personal rights. And, and I don't want to dismiss that um, because I do think there is a valid question over, you know, how far can the government or another sure. institution control your movements, tell you what to do. But I'm also like, dude, we're in a global pandemic. <laughs> this isn't just normal life. And they've just decided to say, hey, maybe we'll all stay home for two plus months. <laughs> it, there's a reason why this is happening. And at least we know that. It's not uh, It's not like we're just being forced to stay in our homes like we're imprisoned. So, mm-hmm. But does that make you feel any better? I don't know. When the feeling of um, the lack of control, when that feeling comes up, it really is both unsettling in terms of the fear factor because you realize, oh, I can't put my hands on these things. I can't manipulate them. Um, So there's fear in there. I think that in addition to fear, there is that frustration that, oh, but I had this in mind and now I can't do it. And so I, for me, I see the two going hand in hand. It's fear and frustration that are driving my sense of um, lack of control. Yeah, and I, I would say that's very clarifying. And I think it's probably what's behind um, the responses of folks that I'm seeing that are kind of nervous about government incursion. Mm-hmm. I think probably there's like a deeper level of I'm feeling really out of control just generally because of all of this. Yeah. And the government is my classic bad guy. So yeah. mm-hmm. so I'm going to channel all of that loss of control in this moment toward that. Um and again, I I'm sure there are legitimate questions and conversations about how to enact these kind of uh, common protocols, what we can and can't ask of each other, what the government should and shouldn't do. I, I'm not saying there aren't conversations around the specific policies, but I do think it's helpful to identify, is this really a state's right issue? Mm. Is this really an individual liberty issue? Or are we all just feeling that loss of control because something larger and bigger than us that we don't understand is happening and we don't know what to do with that. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing how to respond. I think that it it pricks upon that feeling of, ooh, I, I can't ensure my safety or the safety of those I love. And, um, and I think that's why even in the, the mandated requirements for um, for safety, like the do's and don'ts. We've got all the tips, right, of wash your hands, wear your mask, um, keep six feet apart, small groups, um, don't leave your house unless you absolutely have to. We have those, those 
those do's and don'ts, what you are are to do and what you should not be doing. And in some ways, they're frustrating because it's like, oh, if, if I don't want to do those and yet I have to, that's frustrating. But on the other hand, you could also adhere to those as a means of control as well, um, because you could become really good at washing your hands every single time you touch anything in your house. I saw this very funny video. I don't know if you saw it online, Hannah, but it was this guy who was at a sink and he was washing his hands. So he's washing his hands and then he realizes that he touches the faucet. So then he's like, oh, I got to wash my hands again. So he washes his hands again, but he realizes, oh, now I touch the soap. So then he washes the soap and then he rewashes his hands and then he touches something else. And eventually at some point he just douses himself in soap and he's like, I just need to be clean all over. And so there's this a sense of control of like, well, can I do this enough so that I will be safe? So it is the sense of how much do I need to do to keep the virus out there and not hurting me or those I care about? And there's that sense of control that's kicking in too. Absolutely. And I think you're spot on to parallel that to the kind of don't tell me what to do to telling everyone else what to do. So <laughs> so there are these kinds of ways that we're, we're trying to grapple with this almost what feels like an uncontrollable situation and we're exerting control or we're wrestling for control amongst ourselves because I've seen just as many people questioning, um, let's say public policy, mm. are also trying to control other people's behavior mm -hmm. or they're saying the government should do this they should yes. have done this months ago and all of it comes back to this what are you trusting in terms of finding resolution to this moment mm -hmm. and, and what are you trying to find your equilibrium in terms of how much do you control in your life? How much is outside of your control? How much can healthcare providers control? How much can government policy control? Like at some point, we're wrestling with the limits, not only of our own control and our own ability to affect things, but the people we're trusting to fight this also have serious limits on what they can and can't do. Those limits are not what we want to think about because we want to think that if we do the right thing, then everything will be okay. And I even saw this from, I, I think this woman is a um, political correspondent, but she had a tweet that went out a couple weeks ago that said something like, we need to know when this will end and when we will be back online with the economy. And someone jokingly replied, well, give me a minute, let me go check in with Corona. And it's sort of like, how do you think we're going to know? Like, we don't have an exact date when this thing is going to end. And we don't know these things. Like, we don't know the future. All we know is that today, we've got to do these things to try to flatten the curve, keep the, the spread to the minimum so that we can be healthy enough to get back online with the economy. And so I think that that sentiment of we need a date and we need to know, that says so much about how we want to control the timeline. And we, we can't. We can't know these things. So I feel like we're coming up against our own limits here in a way that we haven't had to in the past. And we are just stunned by the reality that we cannot control the future. Absolutely. And you see that in the, the response of the marketplace. 
so you have this space in human society that is based on being able to tabulate, to mm. count, to verify what will and won't happen, to predict, to project, you know, all of the first, second, third quarter projections for what businesses think they're going to do. And that, mm -hmm. you know, affects how investors look at them and whether they're going to invest money. All of that operates in this place of uh, a place of feeling of power and some level of certainty that you kind of know what might and might not happen. And so when you see the stocks plummeting and when you see um, the just the um, way things have really just flattened out with the economy, even mm -hmm. the layoffs from company, that is all reacting to the, we have no idea what's going to happen right. and we have nothing that we can do to change what's going to happen. And we don't know what is going to happen. And just that <laughs> uncertainty. <laughs> this is why when there has been the proposal that, hey, people are going to die anyway, because this virus is out there and it's spreading. So since there will be casualties, we should just move forward, bring the economy back online, let's open up business and get back at life and get back at living the way we were, because there will be loss no matter what. And if, if we keep the economy shut down, we may cause more problems in the future. And so there's this bit of bargaining that's happening between life, loss of life now versus difficulty later. And so many people are saying, well, I want to I want to place my bet on let's get things moving now, because right now we can say the economy is going to be back up and running and we can start running our models again and have a little bit more of that control. But it's assuming that if we start the economy back up now, that later there will not be more loss of life. Like we don't know that. And so I think that you're right, Hannah, in saying that we have all these variables and we think we can control them, but actually every decision affects those variables for the future. And I think that assuming that we can control something now assumes that you aren't the one that's going to get the virus. Like you could get it just because you think that the weak or the infirm or the elderly are going to be the first ones out. It actually could be you. And so I think that it's coming back to the sense of we think we control our lives and what our lives will look like. And this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, and I think that false dichotomy between saving the economy and saving human life it really did get shot down pretty quickly. I mean, people, few people are still talking about it, but one of the best responses was, okay, open up the economy again, and then people are just going to get sick, and then you won't have workers, and then you won't be productive anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> it, but at its essence, I think that initial response was really one of, the world as we know it has turned upside down. How can we have some sense of control or power in the midst of that? This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. 
Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Well, Hannah, I think you're right. It's like, what is it that we are going to um, look toward in terms of um, vitality, wholeness? How are we going to sort this out where we recognize that there are limits on our own ability to control this, but there's more to it than just how this is affecting me and myself and the things that I care about. Like it's bigger than just me and how this is affecting my own world. Not that I'm not important, but it is it is more than just me. And um, I think these are the sorts of things we need to sort out in this conversation of looking at the reality that we're all feeling like there's a lack of control, but yet we need to sort through that and then look for a way toward wholeness. So what are some of these things that we need to be thinking about as we look at a way forward through these feelings of um the lack of control and all the frustration that comes with it. Well, I think one of the things this struggle for control reveals for us, if we let it, is how much was outside of our control to begin with. It reminds me of what John said when we talked about prayer, um, that what this moment is teaching us is things that we had deluded ourselves into thinking. So Mm -hmm. we thought we were taking care of ourselves. We thought we didn't need to pray for our daily bread. And so suddenly we're praying for it in this moment. And that's not a change from what we always needed. It's just that we have a greater realization of it and a greater awareness of our dependence. And I think this struggle to wrestle control or to find some level of equilibrium in this moment could potentially be productive for us if we are willing to recognize that so much was out of our control in the first place, even economically. You know, all it takes Mm -hmm. is one little domino being tipped over to just bring the whole thing down. And that doesn't mean we should live in fear or we should throw our hands up and say, well, there's nothing you can do. But I do think it humbles us and it teaches us the limits of what we were doing to make our life what it is in the first place. I think a lot of us have been taught this kind of, well, you work hard and you do what's right and you make good choices and your life will be good. And underneath that is this assumption of control and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do the right thing. And you can have the power to build your life and get what you believe your work should bring for you. We're looking at people who have been faithful to their work and then suddenly they're laid off for no reason that they contributed to. And we don't want to acknowledge that. I mean, I don't want to acknowledge that I 
have so little control over the means to uh, use my gifts to actually make a wage, to actually sustain the things that I need, food, shelter, clothing. Um, I I don't want to think like that. Like it it would be much easier to know like, oh, I just do X, Y, and Z. And the outcome is exactly what I would expect when I put those inputs into the equation. And so it really is a rattling of living by... um, living by an equation, living by the sense of um, the the balances. So everything's in my favor. So therefore, everything should be working out okay. That is so hard to deal with because we we live in a society that holds that up as the standard. It's so hard to walk away from that. Um, but something like this is giving us the chance to look at it and see where does that sort of thinking invade my processing for responding to people, responding to decisions, to policy. I think all of that is laid bare because of the intensity of this trial from the virus. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you don't have agency either. And it's not that you shouldn't rightly question Um, whether certain policies do perhaps infringe on individual liberties. It's not that these categories don't exist. Mm -hmm. It's that we believe they are more powerful than they actually are. So I think in the midst of this moment, you don't just say, well, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it, right? Mm -hmm. I've heard some of that too, where it's almost this – I'm rejecting the entire category of agency, which is the partner in parallel to control. So there's nothing I can do. If I get it, I get it. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It's my time to go. It's my time to go. And I don't think that is a healthy or accurate handling of the power and the control that God does entrust to us over Mm -hmm. the lives and the responsibilities he's given us. The point is that some things are in your control and some things are outside of your control. Mm -hmm. And you've got to take responsibility for the things that you are entrusted with and act with agency and foresight. But for the things that you can't control, you've got to entrust yourself and those things to God. So much of this is hooked back to recognizing that we can't understand everything and that's why we can't control everything is because we don't know everything but because we don't know everything we don't know when this trial will dissipate we don't know when things will get back to normal our so-called normal we don't know who will get sick we don't know what the fallout will be for people who have gotten sick but recover Um, we don't know these things and so it requires a level of trust and yielding to to god and trusting his heart that he is good um That is a real challenge, I think, in this time. And as we think about moving toward wholeness, I think that this is a really good time to be thinking through our ability to see God as good, even when we don't know what's going to happen. And we also know some things that are are coming at us that are going to be very difficult and painful. Um, We have to balance those things out because I think on the flip side, spiritually, Hannah, I also see um, sort of a 
control coming the other way where it's almost infused with a prosperity gospel angle where it's sort of like, oh, but God promises always health and wealth and good things. Um, Things will turn out the way we want. And that's a means of controlling the outcome is assuming that it will turn out a certain way just because we're naming it and claiming it. But faith is saying, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, and this virus is not a respecter of persons or faith, the faith that you hold, and therefore I have to trust God. Like, come what may, I have to trust God, and and I will still claim that he's good in it. That's a tough place to be. It is, and I think this precise scenario that we're describing and processing um comes to the question of the Christian practice of submission. And I think we often get that wrong and we talk about it in all the wrong ways. But when we're talking about submitting or surrendering ourselves to our Heavenly Father and His work in this world, it is not about either engaging Him as if He's already going to do what he's going to do so i'm going to have this fatalistic doesn't matter what i do Mm -hmm. or i can control him i can control him with my giving with my prayers you know he will act when i say act so it's neither one of those submission is the yielding of control to god it Mm -hmm. is a right acknowledgement that yes there is a level of agency and there is a level of if just being made in his image that you have a level of power, but it's entrusting, it's taking that power, it's taking that agency, saying, I'm going to act in certain ways within what I know to do, also recognizing that there's a whole lot of things that I don't know what to do. And I'm going to entrust and yield to my father's plans for me. Yeah, that. That element of trust and yielding, um, knowing that God is present and he is active, um, even when we think he's not behaving in the way that we think he should be acting and behaving, um, it is relinquishing those ideas of what we think is the right way that things should go down. That is the the path toward wholeness. That's the sort of thing that um, in prayer, like you mentioned, um, referring back to our conversation with John, how he directed us to the Psalms and to be praying through these ideas and these notions that we have and to be honest about how we thought, God, you were going to act like this, and yet you're not. Still, I will praise him. That sort of sentiment and reality. I think those are the things that... um, in this category of wanting control, it is that sense of yielding and trusting and looking to God's heart as good. So, yeah, I, I feel like this is um, challenging in all the good ways, um, but also it can be kind of hidden, if that makes sense, because this isn't one of the more obvious things. Right, Hannah? I don't think that this is one of the more obvious struggles. I feel like this is an internal battle that can come out in a lot of different ways. It is. And in my own life, I recognize that I'm in the midst of a battle for control Mm -hmm. for me when I start trying to control other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not yielded and submitted 
to God and trusting myself to him when I start acting as God, when Mm -hmm. I start trying to control not only my own life, but the people that are in it. And when I find myself being very managerial (laughs) in that (laughs) you need to do this and you need to do that and stop doing this and we're going to... Or for some people, maybe they have less of an outspoken personality and it's more manipulative or it's more kind of pulling strings or trying to get people to do other things. That's when what is a hidden problem, those are some of the symptoms that I see in my own life, is not just control over, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. I mean, that's a little obvious. But when I realize that I'm trying to control others... Yeah. is when I recognize that I don't have a proper um, alignment with God's power in this situation and a proper understanding of how he is at work, even if I don't necessarily see it, or he's not asking me to be part of his work. Right, right. Boy, these are things that, um, once again, I'm going to have to keep thinking through and processing. I'm going to have to turn to the Psalms for this one because this one has deep roots and um, I I need to spend a little bit more time on it. I hope all you listeners out there, I hope it's been a fruitful, good conversation for you. And I hope that it is leading you toward this path of wholeness as you are dealing with all the aftermath of this uh, coronavirus and the pandemic, the regulations, all of those things. Um, But that's it for this conversation. But you can jump right into the next installment of our Growing Viral series. We're going to look at um, finding goodness, um, even in the midst of hopelessness in this viral age. We hope that you um, continue to listen and join us on this journey. Stay safe, stay home, and we'll catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at ChristandPopCulture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.